A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hello, guys and girls. The program you are about to hear will be both fun and educational, but it is not a substitute for medical advice. Although we are doctors, we are not your doctors. Hello, and welcome to Travel Medicine. As always, I'm your friendly neighborhood internal medicine doc, Dr. J. Hey, guys. Dr. Santos here, pediatric infectious disease doc, researcher, after dark. Ooh, and hey, it's me, Dr. Ward. I'm still hiding in my bunker. <laughs> your ER doc. Shaking my booty. <laughs> bunker down. We'll have to wait till February where you can pop out of your bunker and tell us if there's six more weeks of winter. <laughs> only six more I, weeks of COVID? Yeah, only if I get my next week. Shittiest groundhog ever. <laughs> uh, if he sees a shadow, there's six more weeks of COVID. It's going to be more than six weeks, I can tell you that already. At <laughs> uh, this point, yeah. Yes. But yes. when we cross like February and March, I'm hopeful. Cautiously. Hmm. Well, that's good. I like I like to hear that positive Christmas spirit, Santosh. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm glad you're you're into or, like my positive Christmas or spirit or your Hanukkah hope, whatever. <laughs> you have to put more of a ha into that line. It's a Hanukkah hope. Okay, your Hanukkah hope. <laughs> Or your Kwanzaa. Yeah, I can't touch that one. I have no clue. Yeah. <laughs> your charisma? I don't know. Sure. <laughs> uh, that does help us into a great, yet terrible, segue of It's Time for the Holiday episode. Woohoo! Holiday! So, previously, we have diagnosed the 12 days of Christmas. A uh, lot of birds, lots and lots of birds. Oh yeah, there's so many. 
Were they all avian S- flu, duck flu? Swans, birds, uh, partridges. And we also took a time to dive into diagnosing the Grinch and Tiny Tim. So I thought this year we would take a look at another old story. One that starts with a lonely old man who sits at home on Christmas Eve and then has a series of unexpected visitors. Restless spirit of his long-dead partner, followed by the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future. By morning, he's been transformed into an icon of exuberant celebration. Yay! Okay, yeah, yeah, he's all happy at the end of it. Uh, weirdly so, and just throws his money around. Merry Christmas, everyone. Yeah, yeah, the best Halloween ghost story ever, A Christmas Carol. And of course, I'm talking about Ebenezer Scrooge. Of course, you could also view this through a slightly different lens. Uh, Ward, what if the paramedics bring you somebody and... Meth. It's meth. <laughs> oh... All right. Well, okay. Let's say the paramedics bring you somebody else and they describe an elderly man with no known medical problems, according to neighbors. Nobody really knows him that well. Has a sudden <laughs> has a sudden change in mental status characterized by confusion and vivid hallucinations involving friends and relatives that leave him in a state of trembling mania and euphoria. What would you say? Was, was that Victorian times or do you think that was mm-hmm. a little bit earlier? If it was Victorian times, then the di- you know the differential diagnosis is very different from what we have today. I mean, today it's meth again, and <laughs> possibly a urinary tract infection. All right, and- I'm going to tell you it's not meth. This didn't take place in Hawaii. It was London. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know there there could be medical causes, infectious causes, um, anatomical causes. And, you know, such as strokes, uh, aneurysms, so on and so forth. And then I would say at the top of any good ER doc's differential diagnoses would be uh, toxicology, because that is a very frequent cause of altered mentation. Before we do toxic, we should go through, what's that acronym that you use for like the big causes of altered mentation? So it's like glucose, oxygen, what are the other ones? Like this, it's uh, automatic stuff, right? If a person's like kind of out, those are metabolic, um, and I don't know an acronym for it. I thought there there was like a quick acronym for like check these things if your patient you know looks kind of out of it. So yeah, I, I oh, would. Oh, I, I'm, it's a uh, wait, wait. I remember this. Almost Give automatic for all of us now. No, no, okay. no, no. It's it's A E I O U tips. Oh, that's right. Oh yeah, yeah, but. Then what do you do for G for glucose? Or is it insulin? It's A-E-I-O-U tips. <laughs> um, wait, wait, wait. No. Okay. All right. All right. Maybe S for sugar. Uh, tips. Hold on. Alcohol. Uh-huh. Epilepsy. Uh-huh. And Insulin. Oh. Glucose is insulin. Insulin. That's the one. Insulin. Well, okay, let's, okay. let's just reveal the rest of the puzzle, Vanna. I, I just I just pulled it up on Wikipedia, and it looks I'll like buy it, oxygen for five hundred dollars. Yeah. <laughs> okay. A is alcohol or abusive substances and acidosis. So that would be your tox, most of all. Um, e, uh, they decided to put ecstasy in there. <laughs> uh, environmental epilepsy, electrolytes, encephalopathy, and endocrine disease. Um, infection for I, overdose or oxygen deficiency. U is underdose or uremia. 
I haven't had enough meth. <laughs> no, an insufficient dose of your prescribed medications, as in the person has dementia and they haven't been taking their anti-dementia meds. Uh, T is trauma tumor, I is insulin, P is psychogenic, <laughs> and poisons, there's poison, and then S is stroke and shock. Did they do, okay, did you use insulin twice? I feel like... Mm-hmm. I think the other one's infection. Insulin infection. and infection. Uh, oh, yeah. There's an eye for infection and an eye for insulin. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. So now we've got this elderly man. And I'm so happy that you remembered AEIOU tips. It's, I don't know why. I that couldn't remember so what most of it stood I, for. There's no way I would have been able to get this on Google if you hadn't remembered AEIOU tips. Well, there's oh. also mud piles. And- Josh and I do this so frequently that it's almost like second nature to us. Like the AEIOU tips, kind of, we don't need it. It just kind of, kind of comes across. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just you run your list much more efficiently than have to go through a silly mnemonic. But yeah. Those hey, hey, we all are... had to learn. We all had to learn somehow. But yeah. <laughs> uh, to to the point from tips, Scrooge and therefore Dickens make an interesting point. What if it's just something, you know, he ate? So, you know, certainly Scrooge has his own diagnosis. He tells Marley's ghost, ah, you may be an undigested bit of beef, a blot of <laughs> mustard, a crumb of cheese, a fr- <laughs> A fragment of underdone potato. There's more of gravy than of grave about you, whatever you are. Oh, burn. (laughs) Served. You just got served, Bob Marley's ghost. So, Bob Marley. He was was incorrect. None of these things. Oh, Jacob Marley. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Bob Marley would have been a very different night. Yeah, that would have been so chill. Like, he would have... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Every little thing gonna be all right. <laughs> okay, so so okay, Scrooge is wrong. None of these things could could cause cause you to conjure up your ex best friend's ghosts. Let's say looking as you mentioned at Victorian times and ignoring the almost certain arsenic in the wallpaper. What if it were really something he ate? Uh, even though I suspect neither one of us sees it all that often, Ward ergotism. Or poisoning from a mold that tends to grow on damp rye, wheat, barley, oats has been known to cause hallucination and confusion since oh, almost like the Dark Ages. I, I don't know. Have you seen any cases of ergo poisoning? Or if not, are you familiar with ergotamines? I have not seen any cases of ergo poisoning in my over 10 years of practice, partly because ergo poisoning, I mean, like rye that's been sitting around and molding is not a thing anymore at least not in the united states and yeah very few people eat rye anyways (laughs) nowadays so um that's not really a thing and you know um but ergotamine is also a medication that we're not using that often anymore for migraines it's wonderful because it causes vasoconstriction which is thought of as the cause for migraines or uh, you know um, dilated vessels are thought to be the cause of migraine so vasoconstriction um, addresses that issue, but nowadays we have, you know, Imitrex, other things that probably have a better safety profile. Sure, but during the Middle Ages, bakers were probably not held to quite the same standard, so there could be consumption of contaminated rye. Now, Scrooge lives alone, so there's no one else to compare in his house, so this would be a toxicology one, but in excess, ergotamines, which are derived from that same ergo fungus. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at some point it transitioned from poison to pill, but 
In excess, they can lead to hallucinations, seizures and spasms, paresthesias, mania, and even psychotic breaks. All oh, of which okay. could describe seeing your dead partner's ghost, feeling chills in the room, having sudden changes in mood, like, oh, I can't bear to see this complete and total tiny stranger die, to now I love everybody. Because otherwise, no one will be at my funeral. <laughs> well, can I see his? So that's after he Scrooge woke up, right? Mm-hmm. When the he became a belly. was yes. Um, but while he was seeing things that nobody else could see, um, and hearing things that nobody else could—I don't know if anybody else could see—the ghosts of Christmas uh, past, present, and future, as well as Bob Marley. Or, I keep calling Bob Marley. Too. <laughs> Jacob Marley. I'm sorry. Ghost. I'm sorry. I screwed us all up. It, it kind of, you know what? It kind of reminds me of a like a acid trip or a mushroom trip, where you know your hallucinations and your storyline could be could turn on a dime and it sits on a knife's edge because it, it kind of starts out kind of happy, right? He was kind of happy to see Jacob Marley. He was kind of happy to see his old flame in uh, you know uh, conjured up by the ghost of Christmas past. It was kind of happy, right? And then slowly the trip turns darker and darker and darker. Funny you should mention that because lysergic acid is one of the compounds found in in ergo poisoning. Oh, weird. So the fungus makes it. Yeah. So it's not the full, I guess, synthesized version of the drug that the kids are selling on the streets. But oh. uh, it does have it does share a couple compounds with it, which is what causes the hallucinations. So again, in the modern day, we have the FDA. So Raya is rarely contaminated. The few cases that do come up are usually seen in more rural areas and after heavy rains or flooding. So a few cases came up, I believe, around the time of Hurricane Katrina. And wow. a few always show up around hurricanes because you do get spoiled grain. Gotcha. Uh, and you see either high doses or when moderate doses that wouldn't be noticed interact with drugs like erythromycin. For you, Santosh, alkaloid can pass in the pediatric population. They can pass from lactation from mother to child. So infants right. can get ergotism and go tripping on breast milk. <laughs> It could. Ooh. That's creepy. So this would have been much more common than if there is like a blight. If the the fungus shows up on the uh, barley or the rye or whatever it is, but like the people didn't have anything else to eat, like they they couldn't necessarily get rid of it or anything. But you know, they said, "All right, well, you know, I guess we got to eat it, or we'll die from starvation." So either like convulsions paralysis and crazy hallucinations and maybe death or like certain death so in that case definitely the poor babies would have had the fallout from that <laughs> the timing kind of works for a hallucin- hallucinogen as well right because like shrooms or lsd like lsd lasts a little bit longer maybe 12 hours shrooms maybe you know f- you know four to six hours that's like a, a night's sleep that's about right all right, all right. But again, it never mentioned him consuming anything other than he. What does he say from the food? Beef, mustard, cheese, underdone potato. It sounds like he had a sandwich, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> perhaps from his local deli on rye. Uh, well, he's got uh, more gravy than of grave. I guess. Do you use uh, wheat when you make gravy? You use flour, don't you? But you can put gravy on like a 
a sandwich, like a no, yeah, it was <laughs> rolled up, rolled up bit of beef and gravy, and then you stick it on some bread. But presumably, it's something that he could have come across. Now, would it cause those lasting changes? I guess maybe if it was a deeply spiritual uh, hallucinogenic trip, because he certainly wouldn't have gone to the doctor to explain it. But let's keep looking. What else is on our differential? Okay, so you've got poisoning by this thing, ergotamine. Um, oh. Sorry, cool little nugget I saw while we were talking about ergotamine. I guess ergotamine might have been causing the Salem witchcraft accusations. Because they all, like, they were twitching and convulsing and then hallucinating and stuff. So that could have been the problem out in Salem. Damn. Well, that would make sense because a bunch of people would get sick from the same grain, you know, grain production. Yeah. And, yeah, the whole town just got crazy. Maybe they'll cover it in Hocus Pocus too. <laughs> ah, the return of right. Pocus. So let's so let's move on from food poisoning. Uh, one of the other ones we mentioned was the the cardiovascular. So did Scrooge have a stroke? Oh yeah, it's entirely possible. There are specific areas that deal with things like imagination, and uh, it would have to be a really specific stroke. But yeah, I, I suppose you could see color, shapes, hear voices if you stroked out the right part of your brain. Well, okay. So let's say in the middle of the brain, there are visual centers that could account for the hallucinations. Then the quality of hallucinations are consistent with, we'll say, post-stroke visions, which are basically little seizures that your brain has following a stroke. Ooh. And these can often be described as very vivid in color and usually occur after dark for no reason I was able to find. But <laughs> like a stroke, like a stroke, these visions came on very suddenly. And again, an abrupt, sudden personality change would be consistent with a stroke depending on what sections of the brain were hit with blood flow. Before we hit Epinezer with some TPA, <laughs> I would say that, yes, a strokes can cause visual changes, as well as personality and speech changes. The things that go against a stroke are usually strokes cause very focal specific changes, like one part of your vision is gone, or one part of your speech, such as the ability to speak certain words, or um, part of the way you speak is gone. It generally doesn't change, you know, like a basically a crummy person into a better person <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, that um, would, what if yeah. what if the focal part was his Christmas spirit was <laughs> Well, then, I, you, mean, you mean anti-Christmas spirit. Oh, right, right, right. Oh, the yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, we did have uh, I guess we're going to talk about trauma maybe a little bit later, but we did have Phineas Gage where you took a, a pretty you know, nice person, and then you drove a railroad tie through the right part of the brain, and that disinhibited him, making him like kind of cuss and swear and not care about modesty and that kind of a thing. The interesting thing, though, is most of the cortex that we have, the neocortex of the brain, is inhibitory like that. There, I don't know of a lot of things where you can stroke it out or destroy a piece of the brain and get nicer oh, or more oh, pleasant. Great example, Santosh. <clears throat> Phineas Gage had a basically a metal rod that ran through his brain and knocked out a part of the cortex that was 
inhibitory and responsible for personalities, right? Mm-hmm. Interestingly, strokes don't work, don't knock things out that way because they're, they get anatomical parts get knocked out based on vascular tributaries. So like the MCA or the middle cerebral artery gets blocked out and it knocks out a part that's anatomical and specifically in a wedge shape that's like a half of a brain or a quarter of a brain. It doesn't surgically like strike out personality. Think of it as a stage and up in the control booth is a guy with a bunch of buttons and levers and a stroke permanently disables access to some parts of the stage. So maybe now a curtain won't come down or a light won't go on. And maybe you can get somebody in to fix it. That would be the neurologist electrician. Mm -hmm. Or maybe that part of the stage just has to be ignored from now on. That is the closest analogy I can give you for what's going on with a stroke. But this makes a ton of sense, just like you're saying, Ward, is that you can't knock out a small chunk the way that that railroad tie could because of the distribution of what uh, what part of the brain would be taken out. So that that kind of specific knockout of like this part of the personality, that wouldn't happen. I totally it, get it. It would, be, it would be a little bit less likely because it just doesn't fit that pattern. The patterns tend to be more like, you know, Broad, uh, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's it's a different pattern. I don't know what what's the personality of a stage. Uh, depends on the player. You're at. Yeah. The actor. <laughs> I think the analogy just fell apart. <laughs> All right, so we've ruled out strokes or even TIAs. While they could cause temporary confusion enough to possibly lead to hallucinations, they wouldn't lead to the sort of lasting personality changes that sent him to buy a goose for the Cratchits. What about seizures? Uh, again, post-icto period, so maybe long enough to buy that goose, but he'd immediately know what he did and fire Cratchit the following day. So probably unlikely. He'd be more, he would end up in a pool of his own urine and drool on the floor rather than running around through past, present, and future. I agree, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, before we move on to the to the next one in my differential list, do you guys have any other thoughts on... What could have led to some of these changes in screw? Well, you know, we I... did say trauma, and we talked about Phineas Gage and this kind of a thing. Ward, what do you think? What do you think about trauma rather than a stroke? So, rather than taking out a wedge of something, like if there was a oh, maybe maybe Tiny Tim's dad, Bob Cratchit, was no. supposed to be fed up with it. <laughs> just went ahead, <laughs> just brained him. And then... <laughs> maybe it was raining or pouring and. Somebody went to bed and bumped his head Uh and uh, didn't get up till Christmas morning. So blunt force trauma, I'd be maybe a little less because that would, uh, that would cause, you know, like a a hemisphere or, you know, if there was like a subdural bleed or or an epidural bleed, you'd have um, uh, an area of the brain. Again, just like you were saying, Ward, um, a big swath of brain taken out, but uh, maybe a penetrating injury that we didn't see that would affect the frontal lobe and and maybe the oh you know and it doesn't even have to be that uh, severe. A concussion, oh, sure. by definition, can cause personality changes, can cause changes in the way you interpret things. It can even cause the way you sense things. So just even a concussion from Bob Cratchit getting super mad at him for not letting him go home might cause some personality changes. And those changes can last weeks to forever. 
Oh, no. <laughs> that's a long time. Yeah. Um, I'll put infection up there. Um, we're in London, so there isn't a lot of encephalopathies that could Syphilis. go around. Like the, the, it's not in a tropical area where you can get a lot of these weird arboviruses and things like that. Um, but if we wanted to have some fun with it, like say, um, you know, oh, say he had I'm herpes. Gonna, I'm going to stop you for I'm going to stop you on herpes for just a moment. <laughs> Such has been the career. <laughs> well, no, I always get stopped at the herpes, Josh. <laughs> I was just not trying a, to think. Thing. I was just no. trying to think where would this trauma, this blunt force trauma, have come from in Dickens? And he does mention that Cratchit or some children hits Scrooge with a snowball in a snowball fight and a hard packed little ball of ice, depending on what the previous night's snowfall was like, could, could that cause a concussion ward? A particularly bad snowball hit? Of course, especially because Scrooge sounds like he was someone who was elderly. So they're, they're a lot more susceptible to um, TBI's traumatic brain injuries. Okay, so watch watch those flying snowballs around the old folks' home, kids. Uh, now, Santosh, back to your herpes. <laughs> we now join Fairfield Reporter. Back to you, herpes. <laughs> yeah, that's what it does. It comes back again. <laughs> no, if if he had uh, HSV, if he had herpes simplex infection, um, if he had had chickenpox in the fa- uh, in the past, uh, VZV. This varicella zoster can go to the brain. Herpes simplex could go to the brain. He didn't have enough signs and symptoms of syphilis, uh, but syphilis was a big time. You know, oh, I don't, I don't know who would bang. Uh, what's his <laughs> name? Scrooge. There's a type for everyone. Scrooge, but, <laughs> but neurosyphilis can show up much, much later. Uh, than the original thing. So it might have been when he was like a young stud. Oh, come on. What about Belle? Uh, Belle? Belle was Ebenezer Scrooge's original love interest. Oh, they were, they were, his Christmas they were in- past. Yeah, they were inseparable until Scrooge foreclosed <laughs> Belle's yeah. cottage, according to the Disney version. <laughs> the Disney <laughs> version. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then Scrooge was cursed and turned into a beast with a bunch of no, you know, no, Cratchit stop, as a teapot. No. <laughs> this is not your fan fiction podcast, Josh. <laughs> that you is Josh's fan. Me. <laughs> can can you have a fling with Belle um, in your twenties or thirties, and then later on in your fifties or sixties? have neurosyphilis so certainly that's the weird thing about it is uh it's a little bit like the herpes is just when you think it's gone <laughs> well bam it's back again <laughs> yeah it it can stay latent for a long time and that secondary uh syphilis where where you have that you know a little bit of a flare and then you have a long period of latency it can be for like a couple of decades before it comes back it's it's unusual more often than not, maybe it's like a few years, like a couple of years before it goes and, and attacks the brain. But the interesting thing about, uh, well, HSV would be a lot more acute. And the problem with it is he could technically have a bunch of hallucinations, but it would probably progress and just kill him because herpetic encephalitis is very lethal. Same they're, with VZV. Yeah, except 
uh, varicella zoster, chicken pox, uh, and, and if you got like the shingles that went to the brain, that one could attack and take out things like memory. And it could also affect personality very selectively because it likes that, that little insula part in there. So you could get all giddy and weird. Syphilis, though, uh, it, it's almost like um, it pockmarks the brain. It doesn't, you know, it'll, it'll hit like little sections and sections and sections. I don't know if you all remember the, the show House. In House... There's a woman who caught syphilis and then she started like hitting and chasing after house because she became like kind of hypersexual and, you know, like overly amorous. Mm -hmm. So syphilis is actually a pretty good candidate because it wouldn't be so acute and damaging. It would slowly make him deteriorate, which would give him like, ah, grumpy and all this kind of a thing. And then, you know, there could be a point where he goes into like a hallucination because particular like bunch of neurons get knocked out and then he gets all giddy and happy. So yeah, syphilis, uh, syphilis could definitely be a fun one for this list. Okay. So we've got, you know, poisoning, food poisoning, which is Scrooge's self-diagnosis from ergotamines. We've got stroke, which we've effectively said really is unlikely. Herpes or some kind of encephalitis, also unlikely. Syphilis is up there. So syphilis and ergotamine. Anything else that you think we're missing before we move on to the big dementia? Oh, well, I mean, so probably the most common cause for people to have mood um, swings and sometimes maybe a little bit of mm, delusionary thoughts and things like that would be bipolar disorder, right? Like a mental health crisis. Bipolar disorder, sometimes you're down, sometimes you're up. Sometimes you're a big old Scrooge and sometimes you're like during your manic uh, episode, you could end up people feel um, like they can do anything they want and they will spend a lot of money or go out and, you know, buy a new car. And uh, it it almost sounds like they're on like cocaine or on upper or something like that. Oh, wow. And that can last for days. So I would say unless – I don't think Dickens gives us enough descriptions of Scrooge's behavior – in these wild swings and he's a little late to be diagnosed for the first time with bipolar disorder. He does have this manic episode, but we get to see presumably assuming where he's not an unreliable narrator, we get to see Scrooge in his past and in, you know, somewhat in his present. And in neither one of those is he known for having wild mood swings. He's pretty consistently a cranky old grump. That's correct. This would be very – if someone walked into my ER or your or was admitted under Dr. Josh, it would be a – that would be a diagnosis of exclusion to say, oh, this 60-year-old uh, all of a sudden is exhibiting new-onset bipolar disorder. Um, we didn't mention – self-poisoning meaning that you know he said oh this might be a crumb or a bread or something but you know he could have just gone out you know and decided to like you know get some cocaine from around the corner or some heroin or something and uh i'm guessing it wasn't cut back then but you know some nice opiates or something could have given him a night like this um, they didn't have marijuana in Dickens' time, I don't believe, right? Because they'd have to cross into the New World. No, they had laudanum and opium. Scrooge would not have smoked opium. He would have, and he has a very Puritan work ethic, so okay. he is 
unlikely to take any drugs as he's known for not even consuming alcohol. Uh, oh, okay. Again, he's he's very much a teetotaler and has sure. been ever since he became the Scrooge instead of just young Ebenezer. Gotcha. Oh, I'd watch that show. Young yeah. Ebenezer. <laughs> young Ebenezer. <laughs> oh, just when he turns. Yeah, that would be a really interesting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like, it would be, be like, like breaking, breaking Bad, the Christmas edition. Yeah. <laughs> young Ebenezer. And there you go, Ward. Meth gets involved. Oh, there you <laughs> Well, you know, and not just the, 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 you know, the fun recreational stuff. Like sometimes anticholinergic poisoning can cause you to be mad as a hatter, red as a beet, and uh, something else. Dry as a dry, bone. Dry as a bone, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, if Scrooge weren't in Victorian times, if he were today, um, antidepressant overdoses such as SSRIs, tricyclics can all cause you to have a different outlook on life to say the least and be altered and um, have hallucinations. Wow. Excellent points. But as we mentioned, Scrooge is elderly. So certainly on our differential, I'm not sure how high yet would be dementia, which is a common cause of mental status in the elderly and Alzheimer's and other kinds of dementia all tend to be stepwise rather than gradual, meaning you can see small changes or great big drops in one instance rather than a general progression. It's not like you'll see little, 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 little. You may see little bit, little bit, nothing, slight improvement, huge drop. Uh, And severely demented patients will at times seem to relive experiences from their past. They'll have conversations with friends and family long dead, you know, even while you're standing in the room. But Alzheimer's isn't the model idea of dementia for this because it still very rapid again three major hallucinations in one night followed by a complete personality change however there is a kind of dementia that dickens might be the first to diagnose in his time but we've known about since oh i'd say at least the 90s and that would be louis body dementia oh we've talked about this before But symptomatically, this disease is kind of at the intersection of Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. Mm -hmm. And we'll we'll talk, Louis bodies themselves were discovered, okay, quick history lesson, I can't help myself. Go, go, go. Uh, Louis bodies were discovered in 1912 by Frederick Louis, a German pathologist who was was researching Parkinson's disease at Munich University. Uh, But... He was very humble and simply described these bodies and what they looked like. They were named Louis bodies in 1919 by a Russian pathologist also researching Parkinson's and this disorder, Konstantin Tretyakov. But they weren't linked into dementia. Like the fact that these bodies showed up in people who were demented wasn't figured out until 1961 by Japanese researcher Okazaki. Okay. And it wasn't all put together and called Louis body dementia and recognized as a distinct disorder until 1980 by another Japanese researcher. Neat. I I love how that all came together with, you know, these stages of different people with different expertise all adding into the the final product there. Science. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so now – I mean, like clinically, there, there, there's a lot of overlap between the dementias, right? The Lewy bodies, the Alzheimer's. I mean, Parkinson's is a little bit different. That's more of a yeah. That's a that has its own separate features. But Lewy body and Alzheimer's has 
a lot of overlaps. So until they cut the brains and looked under the microscope, you know, people didn't know what the, the differences were. Yay for pathology. Yay. So let's let's briefly dive into Dickens and see if we can get a description. <laughs> and see if we can get a description of him and what you can tell what you can tell me if anything that would lend credence to any of our differentials all right kids medicine at work behind the scenes i only know the scrooge mcduck version because i haven't read the dickens version in a long long time it is one of my favorite stories <laughs> all right well here's here's just a brief excerpt from early in the novel all right Oh, but he was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone, Scrooge, a squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner, hard and sharp as flint from which no steel had ever struck out generous fire, secret and self-contained and solitary as an oyster. The cold within him froze his old features, nipped his pointed nose, shriveled his cheek and stiffened his gait, made his eyes red, his thin lips blue, and spoke out shrewdly in his grating voice. A rhyme was on his head and eyebrows and his wiry chin. He carried his own low temperature about with him. He iced his office in the dog days and didn't thaw it one degree at Christmas. So that's the very first introduction we ever get to Scrooge. Wow. What's, what's your picture of him? What are you thinking, both clinically, personally? Where do you go? I'm going to hold off a little bit because I'm, uh... I still think mental health, he had some issues. I mean, I, you know, whatever else that might be going on, he, you know, he sounds a little depressed and, um, he sounds like he's, you know, he had some relationship issues because he seems to be a loner and maybe by choice, maybe not entirely by choice. Uh, and he just had a, what, the opposite of what you would call a sunny disposition. <laughs> Now, yeah, putting it lightly. Santosh, you have any thoughts? In terms of uh, outside of your just like environmental factors, right? So how he was raised, the values that he was given and you know, these kind of things is what I always come around to as a pediatrician because usually the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. So that's some of the first things that I come up with when I when I hear about that particular description is like what what was his family life like? What did mom and dad do? That kind of thing. I'm cherry picking a little bit here, but some of the words used to portray Scrooge, you could also apply to somebody with Parkinson's. And we'll okay. talk about how Louis body dementia intersects with that. But he's expressionless. He's rigid. He's nearly immobile. The cold within him froze his old features, stiffened his gait. He also has a tremor, you know, just for completeness sake. All of this is consistent with Parkinson's. Now, when you start throwing in the hallucinations, we think of Lewy body dementia, which unfortunately can only be diagnosed uh, post-mortem. But onset for Lewy body dementia usually is after 50, and that's... Scrooge seems like he would be around at least his 50s, given average life expectancy for the time. Now, really fascinating, and I don't know if you guys knew this, hallucinations tend to occur really early in the disease. And when I say early, I mean about 15 years before the cognitive deficits, the dementia aspect. Oh, oh so before... 
much, much before they start getting kind of incapacitated is what you're saying. Right. You just start oh, gotcha. seeing things. Okay. Oh. So that's, there's, there's our hallucinations of ghosts, but okay. that's still a pretty weak case to build on. So let's look at some of the other prodromal symptoms, prodromal meaning uh, setting on before the clinical diagnosis of the disease. Okay. One of the huge ones, REM sleep behavior disorder, RBD, in which normally when you're in REM sleep, you are functionally paralyzed. So you don't swing your arms, fall out of bed, go sleepwalking, you know, make sleep bacon, things like that. Gotcha, gotcha. But people with REM sleep behavior disorder, which includes those with Lewy body dementia, lose that muscle paralysis that normally occurs during sleep and act out their dreams, which may, and those behaviors may include yelling, screaming, crying, laughing, nonviolent flailing, choking, punching, or scratching. So the reported dream enactments are frequently violent and usually involve a theme of being chased or attacked. Oh, okay. So they're, they're terrified. They're scared. Yeah. That sounds like a bad trip. So running from the specter of death or chasing after his lost love, uh, through these hallucinations, moving around through past, present and future while never actually leaving his house. So far, all of this would be covered by a Louis body dementia and he's in the right age group. More to your point earlier on concussions, Ward, I know we brought up snowballs, but people with RBD can fall out of bed and injure themselves, which can cause subdural hematomas or concussions. Just bump your head, fall out of bed, didn't get up in the morning. Or he could have fallen the night before and then, you know, his personality started changing even quicker. You can also see a reduced ability to smell, you know, just because why shouldn't COVID get into the 1800s as well as 2020? (laughs) Um, And autonomic dysfunction or orthostatic hypotension. So uh, things like constipation, dizziness, and loss of blood pressure causing near abilities of passing or near likelihood of passing out on standing, uh, all seen with this disease. And that's because just like Alzheimer's, there's these deposits of proteins. And in this case, they're alpha-synuclein deposits. And they start building and collecting in parts of the brain. And depending where they show up, that depends what kind of deficits you'll show. So in order to get an official diagnosis of Lewy body dementia, you need the dementia, the hallucinations, and Parkinson-like features. And then the postmortem is the Lewy bodies. But you make a clinical diagnosis with at least those three. You make a really good case for Lewy body dementia, but that <laughs> that would change uh, a Christmas Carol from a happy ending to a very, very different, <laughs> very, very different ending. Well, let me ask this, Josh. Um, what about the the Parkinsonian features that you were talking about? Those precede all of the hallucinations and dimensions, or um, is that timing accurate? So the hallucinations and the sleep behavior disorder tend to come first. Now, a lot of the protein deposits build up in in and near the basal ganglia, which is the same area affected in Parkinson's disease. So that's why you get Parkinsonian features and you can often treat some of the muscle symptoms or the motor symptoms with Parkinsonian medications, even Mm. though this is not Parkinson's disease. So it doesn't reverse it. It may help 
slow some of the symptoms, but all of this, you know, the, the prodromal are the sleep disorders, constipation, and dizziness. By the time the dementia sets in, it could be 15 to 20 years later. And once the dementia develops, not to totally take away from your happy ending ward, once that dementia develops, people tend to have about eight to 10 years of living beyond that where they totally shut down. And that's fairly similar with Alzheimer's. So he could have had this change of heart from the hallucinations, things that would have kept up. And, you know, he was of an age where he would have been dead in Victorian times before from something like, I don't know, just smoke in the air. Bad chimney oh, yeah. Yay, happy ending after all. <laughs> so uh, they, so his legacy could have still been changed before he died of this dementia. That's my case for the diagnosis of Ebenezer Scrooge. I think we have a pretty good series of differentials, but I'm staking my claim on Lewy body dementia and consulting my neurologist. Uh, what do you guys think? I like it. So far, it lines up. It lines up with age... It lines up with all of the symptoms that are going on so far. I think it folds in all of the symptoms that you're talking about. And yes, you did cherry pick a little bit of the description, but not too much. That was that was a fairly straightforward look at what Scrooge might have looked like from an outside observer and then how he kind of deteriorated. We just never saw the aftermath, like what you were talking about and how, how it progressed. In terms of my infectious causes, I can make a case for syphilis. Syphilis is called the great mimic because it can copy a lot of signs and symptoms of various disorders, whether it's cancer or tumors, because you get these little gummas on your skin or in bones, or it can mimic uh, osteomyelitis, it can mimic uh, various dementia diseases as it progresses over time. But uh, the lack of maybe like focal neurological symptoms, like there wasn't weakness of one arm or, or you know, convulsions, things like that at that time, that doesn't quite fit. But I think maybe the only thing I'd throw up against that maybe close is, is the syphilis. I'm going to stick to the ergotamine because <laughs> being an ER doc, I just love my talks. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you know what? I think out of all the causes – Ergotamine has a possible happy ending because he had a breakthrough through some hallucinations and he saw his life in a, you know, in a, from a different point of view. And maybe he was changed for the better for the rest of his life. Wow. Okay. So Ward's taking the spiritual trip. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm headed down the elderly dementia path. Who do you guys think won? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'd love to hear from you guys. I think... Right now, just all things being equal, I'm going to give it to the dementia. He's Yay, not dementia. He's not being forced <laughs> to say that, but let's hear what you think, home audience. <laughs> That's it for this week. As always, we love to hear your comments, questions, and feedback. Our theme music is composed by Rachel Leisure. The show is produced by me with a lot of help from Dr. Santosh Warden, friends. If you'd like to support us spiritually, emotionally, or financially, links to do that are in the show notes. Rate and review us wherever quality podcasts are found, including now on Audible. And 
Bonus plug, Ward, you have a brand new podcast starting soon. You want to give a quick plug for it? RuPaul Drag Race Virgins. Two LGBT comedian people in life in general review um, Drag Race and have fun talking about it. We're also on iTunes and I believe Stitcher. Uh, It's coming out soon. And if you've never seen Drag Race and don't know what it is, well, this is a great place to start because neither does one of the hosts. There you go. (laughs) Be a virgin with me. Yeah. Um, that's Are, it. Isn't this like losing your virginity with you kind of thing? I would Which only is take way the, creepier, but I still. I only take the analogy so far. <laughs> that's, that's him in the corner. That's him in the spotlight watching RuPaul's Drag Race. Until next time, as always, stay safe, wash your hands, wear a mask. Um, and if you're able to get that vaccine, we look forward to hopefully being able to tell you soon. Happy travels. Bye, guys. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.